Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Baptist Church, Savannah. We are delighted that you are here and have chosen to worship with us in this place. And we trust that God will bless you in many ways as you are here together with us. If you're visiting uh, this morning, we would encourage you to fill out one of the visitor's cards in the rack you'll find there in front of you and just drop it in the offering plate when it comes by later on in service. That way uh, we can get to know you just a little bit better. And if you want some good tips about uh, places to eat and places to see, uh, there are many of those here and we have a wealth of knowledge um, amongst the folks. So let them greet you on your way out, please. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Someone asked me in the back hall, how many did you have for Thanksgiving? And it was 30-something that showed up and we played our annual turkey bowl and had all kinds of fun. And I hope that uh, you also celebrated with a great Thanksgiving this past week. Would you join me now for our call to worship and found in your bulletin there. Give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Jesus Christ is coming to reign. To God be glory forever and ever. Let us worship God. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your beloved Son, Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by their own sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
for the affirmation of faith. We believe in God, in God's goodness in which we were born, in God's mercy by which we are kept, in God's love from which we cannot be separated. We believe in Christ, whose way is the only way, whose truth is the ultimate truth, whose life claims ours. We believe in the Spirit, from whom we receive comfort, in whom we find courage, by whom we are commissioned. You have 30 people at dinner at your house? <laughs> Not me either. I want to talk to you about the hymn we just sang. I love that hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns. I love the music. It's interesting without being complicated so everybody can sing it. And it's written so that the line that we sing goes higher and higher and reaches one climax in the middle rather than up and down and up and down. And also, it's just the kind of hymn that makes me want to sing. But what I really love about that hymn is the text, the words that we sing. Because the first stanza talks about praising God as the Lord of love. And then there's another stanza that says we should worship Jesus as the Lord of peace. And the author's original final stanza said that we should worship Jesus as the Lord of all life. But I'm going to tell you a little story that will help you always remember this hymn, even though it's going to be in a strange way. Some years ago, I saw a cartoon in a magazine that I get about hymns, and it had this picture of a lamb, you know, meh, that kind of a lamb. Did you know that Jesus is sometimes referred to as the Lamb of God? Well, this very lamb was seated on a throne like a king or a queen, a chair even bigger than this one, and on top of this little lamb's head was a stack of crowns. Now, is that the silliest thing you ever heard of? Pretty much. But you know what we sang a few minutes ago? Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. We sang those very words as silly as the picture is. But of course, the man who wrote those words did not mean for us to take it literally. Um, he just found a poetic way to say some of the things that we think about Jesus when we talk about Jesus being our king. And today's a special day in the church that we call Christ the King Sunday. So we talk about the kind of king 
that Jesus was. Now, unlike the king of a country, or the king of rock and roll, or the Burger King, Jesus was a different kind of king that cared about his people's welfare. And so he fed them, he taught them, he healed them. But this was not the kind of king the people were looking for. And so they had a hard time accepting the kind of king that Jesus was. Even today, we sometimes find it easier to praise Jesus and to crown Jesus than we do to actually live like Jesus would have us live and follow his teachings and his example. So it is very important when we sing about crowning our king that we make it clear who our king was and who our king is. Many other people have ruled countries by being, being a king or a ruler, and they've done terrible things. They've caused their subjects to live in unbearable conditions. But the king of kings, the lord of peace, the Lord of love, the King of life, still cares for us today, just the same as he did when he was teaching the, the disciples many centuries ago. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to love us and to teach us to love one another. We thank you that we can crown him as our King of kings and our Lord of lords. Amen. Today's Old Testament lesson is taken from, taken from chapter uh, 7 of the book of Daniel, starting at verses 9, going to verse 10, also 13 and 14. As I looked, thrones were placed, and one that was ancient of days took his seat. His raiment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Here ends the first reading. Our second reading this morning comes from Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. 
He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. Yea, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Thy throne is established from of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Thy decrees are very sure. Holiness befits thy house, O Lord, forevermore. Here ends our second lesson. Our New Testament reading for this day comes to us from the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, 
even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Here ends the reading. This is the written word of the Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. He was young, 11 years old. He spent much of his life in and out of the hospital being treated for cancer. This time, the trip to the hospital was different. This time, he didn't make it. His parents, his younger sisters, everyone was devastated. There was a moment when the father was alone in the room with the body of his deceased son, along with the pastor of their church. Without looking up, the father asked, what's next? The pastor began to speak of how the funeral home would send representatives to the hospital to pick up the body. But as he spoke, the pastor realized there was a disconnect between him and the father. And so the pastor said, I sense that I'm not answering your question. So the man looked up and looked right at the pastor and he said, what's next for my son? I know this is the end of his life, but what's behind that curtain we call death? If we are honest with ourselves, we have all asked that question at one time or another. When the end comes, what's next? As mentioned, today is Christ the King Sunday. It is the newest of all the major church festivals, having been established by the church in 1925. It was established as an appropriate way to end the church year. Prior to 1925, there was really no end to the church year. It just kind of faded off into the distance. Kind of like, you know, some songs, the way they're written, it's like the composer doesn't know how to end it. So they just keep singing the chorus over and over again. It gets quieter and quieter until finally it just stops. Well, that's kind of the way the church year was organized. It began with a bang, Advent and Christmas, followed by Epiphany, then on to Lent, and then the glory of Easter, and then the wonderful Sunday of Pentecost when the Spirit was given to the whole church. 
But then the church year drifted into a six-month period, ordinary time, the Sundays after Pentecost. And it did just kind of drift along. And it kept going and going until finally it just kind of faded away. Those in the church in 1925 said, this is not right. There needs to be an appropriate ending to the church year. And so that's when Christ the King Sunday was established. And they decided that the purpose of Christ the King Sunday would be to focus on the end time. Think about it. The last Sunday of the church year, the end of the church year, we focus on the end time. We focus on what's next. Now much has been written about the end time. If you take all the books and all the essays and all the music and all the movies and all the thoughts about the end time, I'm sure it would more than fill up this room. It's not hard to find something written about the end time. What is hard to find is a clear, concise, accurate, biblical appraisal of the end time. Let me say that again. It's difficult to find a clear, concise, accurate description of the end time. And so that became the goal of Christ the King Sunday. Okay, so what does this Sunday say about the end time? Well, first of all, it reminds us that Christ will be the king. And the end time comes, it won't be someone else's king, the devil, or a Democrat, or a Republican. At the end time, Christ, Jesus Christ, will be the king. And then Christ the King Sunday reminds us that Christ will be the king. You notice the name of the Sunday is not Christ a King Sunday. It's Christ the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. When the end time comes, Christ will be the king. And then Christ the King Sunday reminds us that Christ will be the king. It's a biblical image. It communicates to us that Christ will rule. He will reign over the end time. And his reign will last forever. The clear, concise, accurate appraisal of the end time, Christ the King. Now scripture reflects this reality. Our lessons for today are simply a sampling of the, so, the, the large number of scriptural lessons there are, scriptural references to God or Christ as the king. But let's look at these for a moment. First, we had a lesson read to us from the book of Daniel. You know that Daniel uses wild images in the present to create a vision of the future. Hear that again. Daniel presents wild images in the present to create a vision of the future. And here's some of Daniel's vision. 
I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. And his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. The next lesson we heard read today was from the book of Psalms. Are you aware that there are multiple Psalms that praise God as the king? Psalm 93, our psalm for today, is one of them. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He has established the world. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. And then from the book of Revelation, the lesson I read for you just a few moments ago. It is much like Daniel. It uses wild images in the present to create a vision of the future. But be aware that Revelation is written to a specific situation. John is the author. John has been exiled from his Christian community. They are heartbroken with him gone. They wonder about leadership in their community. And so John figures out a way to send a letter to them, a letter with wild images of the present that gives John's vision of the future. And his vision includes, I am the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Again, this is only meant to be a sampling of the scriptural proclamation. The proclamation that at the end, God, Christ, will be the king and will rule forever. All right? Okay? What does that mean for us? As believers, what difference does that make? The book of Revelation also says, in the lesson I read for you, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. John makes it clear that in his vision of the future, grace and peace will come from the king. Do you remember what grace and peace are? Grace is the unconditional love of God. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. There's no reason that we merit it. God just chooses to gift us with his grace, with his love. When the end comes, Christ will rule with grace, with unconditional love. And Revelation also says that Christ will rule with peace. We think of peace as being something where people are not shooting at one another. The end of conflict. Peace, biblically, is more than that. It comes from the concept of shalom, 
well-being. When you wish someone peace in a biblical sense, you're wishing them the best that God has to offer them in life. So when the end time comes, it will be filled with the best that God has to offer. At the end time, the king will rule with grace and peace forever. You know, I often hear people say that the future is just uncertain. I don't believe that. Through our faith, I believe the future is certain. It is certain that Christ will be the king. It is certain that grace and peace will reign. I'm so certain, you can bet your life on it. I began this sermon with the story of a father who lost his 11-year-old son to cancer. And at the moment he died, he raised the question, what's next? Years have passed since that incident. As time went by, the man and his wife decided they would like to have another child. They had two girls but they decided they have enough love for a third. And so naturally they prayed for a healthy child. If you're a parent who has lost a child to cancer, you pray for a healthy child. And to be honest, they were hoping for a boy. Either girl boy, they would be fine, but a boy would be nice. Was things turned out, they received both. Their son was born completely healthy, and they named their newborn son for his brother who had died. And that baby became the joy of their life. Not just mom and dad, but the two sisters, their grandparents, and even the church to which they belonged. Because the church saw that young baby as a witness to the fact that God brings life out of death. But here's the kicker. If you ask that father today, what's next? Remember, he's the one who asked the question, what's next? If you turned it around and you asked him today, what's next? I know what he would say to you. He would tell you that his deceased son is with the king. That his son knows unbounded love. That his son knows a well-being that he was never able to experience here on earth. And he would tell you that in the meantime, he is serving the king. And looking forward to what comes Next, the opportunity to be rejoined with his son, to live together in God's grace and peace. Unbounded love, 
well-being as never experienced here on earth, living together in grace and peace. That's what's next. And that's the message from Christ the King. Amen.
We now turn to our God in a time of prayer. We will begin with silent prayer, offering each of us the opportunity to share with God the thoughts of our minds and the desires of our hearts. Following this time of silence, I will offer verbal petitions of prayer that reflect on our life together as God's people. With this in mind, let us be in an attitude of prayer. Lord God Almighty, we praise and thank you for who you are as our creator, our savior, our guide in life. Particularly this day, we proclaim our gratitude for the secure future you provide for us through your son, Jesus. We are keenly aware of the grace and peace Christ the King will bring to us at the end of our time. Thank you, God, for your steadfast love and kindness to us all. God of the nations, we are sad to know the anger and hatred and violence that exist between various peoples of the world. Help us to come to our senses. Assist us in bringing peace to the earth. Enable us to exemplify the love of enemy taught by Jesus. The Lord Christ is the Prince of Peace. Enable us to be his witnesses. Lord of compassion, we pray for all in need spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically. Specifically, we pray for those who lived and died through the wildfires of California. Many lost much. Some lost everything. Help the survivors to focus on you, the steadfast rock of life, the sure foundation of our existence. We commend these victims of this disaster to you and your loving care. Spirit of the living God, bless the faithful people of this congregation. May each know your presence, may all live together in grace. We especially pray for the search committee that they may discern your will and invite us to extend your call to that person you have already chosen to be our next pastor. Lord, let us see your hand at work 
in the midst of our congregation. Finally, dear God, we pray for those who are not aware of your eternal presence and live in the daily uncertainty of not knowing the security of your grace. Help us to be good stewards of the gospel and share your unconditional love with our neighbor. May the Lord bless and enrich others through us. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught his disciples to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Giving is an act of commitment, service, and love. I spent a few hours this past week, as some of you are aware, at the Christmas tree lot for the Lions Club. Why? Because when I joined the club, I committed myself to be a part of what the club does, to help raise money for issues with vision and sight. When I joined this church, I committed myself to be not only a servant in terms of using skills that I had, but also to give of my monetary means. I committed, I made that commitment. Commitment of time, commitment of abilities, commitment of everything that I have. A king is only a king if there are committed people around that king. As people of faith, we have a commitment to Christ, our King. Give now as the spirit of that loving Christ leads you to give.
pray with me. Receive now, O Lord, these gifts. Use them for the work of spreading your peace and your grace to the ends of the earth. In your holy and gracious name we pray. Amen. At this time in our service, we extend to you an invitation to Christian discipleship. What does that mean? That means that if God has impressed upon your heart that you need to give your heart and life and devotion and commitment to serve Jesus Christ, then you need to do that. And we would welcome you with great joy. And if you're here and you're looking for a church family where you can grow in your faith, where you can enjoy and serve and be blessed with other people who enjoy serving and being blessed, this is a great place for you to become a part of the family. Please, as we sing our hymn, this final hymn, that's your opportunity to come forward and to make any of those decisions. And we do extend that invitation to you with all the joy that we possibly can. decorate our church for the season of Advent. We 
be looked forward toward Christmas um, right after the service this morning and then uh, we'll try and do the final touches tomorrow morning. We would love to have your help. Uh, another way to commit to some service to the Lord and to his kingdom and I encourage you to be a part of that. Also after your church this morning the Joyful Voices Choir is going to practice in the choir room and I think that, um, let's see, Shannon is going to have some gift tags for the angel tree that benefits the Morning Star uh, ministry that we are a part of here at First Baptist. Um, they will be available in Lewis Hall. Please take some tags for toys and return the gifts by December 9th. Those are really, really important announcements. I hope you remember those. Take a moment before you leave and make sure that you uh, share with some of our congregants here. If you're a visitor, we have visit visitors today from Florida, from Minneapolis, uh, from Minnesota, from uh, Ontario, Canada, and from Columbia, Tennessee. And we are just um, happy and delighted that you are here. Give us a chance to greet you just for a moment after service, and please. Uh, for the rest of you, um, if you have some time, please share with us in decorating um, our service. And now we'll have our choral benediction. 